way that things are. Isn't God in control? That's what people say all the time. God's in control. So therefore, whatever is happening must mean that God wanted this to happen to me. How many of you know that that's not all the way true? There's parts of that that is true. God is there with you in the midst of your trial and your adversity, but He's waiting for you to rise up and say, sometimes enough is enough. He's waiting for you to rise up and say, hey, right now I want everyone else around me to realize we don't have to keep on being beat up by the enemy. Amen? He's called us to be champions, triumphant. He, he comes triumphantly. Guess what? He's coming back triumphant. He's looking for a triumphant church. So we're going to be moving that pre-service prayer into our prayer, into a service of prayer and our regular 5.30 times. So we want you to come and join us. And then on January 22nd, we're going to be having an all church, say all church, breakfast. <laughs> that's a break fast breakfast, all right? <laughs> I don't know if that's even correct in saying that, but we are going to gather, we're going to move our morning service from this particular uh, facility over into our uh, student center, all right, which is over in the gymnasium. Everybody's going to come over there. There's not going to be, a, um, uh, I guess I can't remember if we were doing the uh, Christian education hour. I, I believe that we're not going to be having that this morning, that morning, and instead, right, is that correct? Thank you, Ann. We are having it that morning. Thank you. We are having it that morning. Missed that, that, that detail. But we are still having that. But those, everyone else at 10 a.m. will be joining us over in the uh, student center. And in the bottom, in the gymnasium area, there's going to be tables. It's all going to be set up. And, and we're going to have a time of breaking bread together. All right? We'll, we're going to have a time of uh, uh, receiving communion. All right? That's going to be part of it. We're going to thank the Lord for the things that He has done. We're going to be gathering around the tables and we're going to hear testimonies of what God is doing and even proclamations of what you want God to do in 2017. All right? So those are some of the things that's going to be happening. Uh, a, a, a shorter message and a, a shorter time of worship. And we're going to have breakfast together. And so, don't eat a big breakfast that morning. Come. It'll just be donation. And uh, you just go ahead and, and uh, help us out with that as you feel blessed or as you feel, um, as you feel that it led to be able to do. And uh, it's going to be a great time. So, uh, it, we're going to have um, some, I don't know what we're going to have. <laughs> sausage and gravy and, and uh, biscuits and, and uh, some sausage and, and scrambled eggs and, and all those things that, yeah, those of you are not having right now <laughs> uh, on the Daniel Fast. <laughs> Seriously, though, whether you participate in the Daniel Fast or not, we want you to come in, out in this. We want this to be an all-church thing. So don't skip out in church that morning. It's going to be a fantastic time. You know, we believe that we ought to do things different. How many of you understand the definition of insanity? <laughs> Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results, right? <laughs> That's insane. And so we believe, okay, that it's important for us to change some things up and to, to, to pull us out of our comfort zones a little bit. And, and, you know, one of the things I think is missing for the body of Christ is understanding how our faith and life connect. For many people, for many, many years, their faith is connected to a facility or to a church building. That's when they read their Bible. That's when they do their praying. That's when they do, you know, their, their spiritual things. And then they move out into the rest of their week, and then they kind of like, okay. <laughs> they forget that God is one to be part of those things. I'm not, I'm not making any accusations towards anyone specifically here, but I'm just saying that has been a mode of operation for the church for years. And it's been one of the main reasons why we haven't been effective. 
Because we haven't taken this message out into the marketplace. We haven't taken this faith that we have out into the public square. We haven't allowed for this integration that God has done and He comes and lives in us to just permeate through us. And, and, and we've let people think that church or our faith ought to be just confined to this particular time frame that we give. And I believe it's really important that we learn to do a lot of things together in faith. And so we want you to come and be part of that. All right, enough of that, that particular commercial. Um, I want you to take your Bibles out, if you would, this morning and turn to Ephesians 3. The title of this message this morning is called More Than You Think. More Than You Think. Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson, ever, anyone ever hear of them before? They went on a camping trip. And after a good meal and a bottle of wine, they crawled into their tent and went to sleep. In the middle of the night, Holmes awoke and he nudged his friend. Watson, he said, look up and tell me what you see. Watson replied, I see millions and millions of stars. What does that tell you, Watson? asked Holmes. Watson pondered a moment and then he replied, astronomically, it tells me there are millions of galaxies and potentially billions of planets. Astrologically, I observe that Saturn is within the Leo constellation. Chronologically, I observe it's nighttime, 3 a.m. on June 14th. Meteorologically, I can't even get that right. Meteorologically, <laughs> the air appears dry. I suspect that we will have a beautiful day. Then, Watson says, why do you ask? What does it tell you? And Holmes says, Watson, you idiot, someone has stolen our tent. <laughs> How many of you know that sometimes the most aware thing, the things that are the most common, the things that ought to be right there in front of us are hidden from us? And we observe a whole lot of other things that become distractions and detours to the very thing that God wants to speak to us. I mean, how many of you have walked into a place of familiarity and, and there's been changes and you didn't have any kind of idea whatsoever that there were changes? <laughs> oh, really? You knew right away every time that there's a change when something happens, all right? You knew when you got out of bed and you stumbled to, you know, the restroom in the middle of the night that your wife put something there that wasn't there the night before, right? <laughs> That's when you notice things, or it happens the other way around. Sometimes we don't notice changes until it's painful, and other times we notice changes, and, and it makes us very uncomfortable. Sometimes when we, when we look at ourselves and we say, Lord, your word says that, you're suppo that you desire to use me, but I know I need to be changed, and, and the way I'm looking at things, I'm not really changing the way that I can make an impact for you. How many of you want to make more of an impact for the kingdom of God? Well, I want to tell you something today. You are more than you think. When God looks at you, He looks at you with hope. When God looks at you, He's looking at you with, with, with desire. For, for relationship. He's looking at you and saying, that is my prize child. That is my superstar. 
That is the one in whom I am trusting to live in this particular day, this particular time, to go to that particular church, to be living in that particular home, to be knowing these particular people, to be part of that particular generation, to make a difference. God is trusting in you. He did not put the church on the earth to fail. He put the church on the earth to be a mighty force to be reckoned with. He's called us for such a time as this. In Ephesians chapter 3, I want to just point out that some of this text might be a little small for you. I, I tried to enlarge as I could, but we're going to read the whole um, chapter of, of, the, of this chapter, chapter 3 here. And I want you to get it, alright? We're going to move a little bit slow through it. But For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles... Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is, the mystery made known to me by revelation. Something was not once known, but now it is. It's been made known. He says this, as I have already written briefly, in reading this, then you will be able to understand. Once again, giving this hint or this idea that, that something's going to change in your knower. <laughs> What you once did not know, now you are going to know. That you might be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations. So the people who have come before didn't know what I'm about to tell you, Paul's saying. And we've got to know because we're all these years later, right? But we're not living like we know. We're not living like we are understood, understanding what God has for us. He says, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets, this mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel. Now, that makes some people excited. Well, unless you're only looking at things from, <laughs> you don't sound too excited. <laughs> unless you're only looking at things from a worldly perspective. You look at the state of Israel and you look at the world affairs and the things that are going on right now. And for us today, it's hard for us to get our minds wrapped around this whole idea of being heirs together with Israel. But I want you to know something. Israel is the promised children. Amen? Israel is the promised people. Israel are the ones who will be blessed. All right? And, and, and while we have a limited understanding about the why of it all, we have what God has written to us in His Word, but, but there is something... You need to understand, there is something peculiar about a people who will pray for the nation of Israel, amen? Who will align themselves and understand that God has brought us together. Now we are members together of one body and shares together in the promise of Christ Jesus. Now here's what I want to get into. He says, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of His power. Say His power. It's not our power, right? Many times we feel weak, but guess what? He's strong. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. Once again, they did not know it, but now they do know it. Because I'm telling them is what he's saying. His intent was that now. Now, his intent... In other words, it's saying his mission. The very mission that God has for us. His intent was not, it was now that through the church, 
the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the... Look at this. This is an odd place where this knowing is, being, is going to happen. Known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly realms. You, you, you remember that verse that says, Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against... Say it with me. Principalities, powers, and rulers in high places, right? Think about that. He said his intent was that now through the church, who's the church? We're the church, right? Through the church, the manifold wisdom, the complete, all wrapped up wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. I don't have time to dissect all this right here this morning, okay? But I want you to understand, God has great big plans for you. God has the, has the ability to work through you. It's not by your power, but it's by His power. It says, according to His eternal purpose that He accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, and in Him and through faith in Him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, do not be discouraged. Look at your neighbor and say, don't be discouraged. Listen, it's a tough time out there when people are going through things and things aren't going the way in which we want them to be. Discouragement's right there at our doorstep. But he said, because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. Don't be discouraged by your things that are going on. Don't be discouraged by what you see others in the body of Christ are going through. For this reason, he says, I kneel before the Father. For whom every family and in heaven and on earth derives his name, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have the power together. Now that power is the power of your your mind and your innermost being together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to once again know. What did he say? He's coming to renew our minds. You can't think of things from an earthly perspective, from a temporal perspective. We have to think of things from an eternity perspective. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Then he says this, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is worked within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. This is the Apostle Paul saying to the church at that time, the ones that he was given an assignment to bring encouragement to, he says, this message that was once reserved for the Jews, I'm coming and letting you know you Gentiles here today. <laughs> There's hope for you. Because not only is there salvation for the Jews, but there's salvation for the Gentiles. And there's things that you're going to do in my name that's going to cause for everybody from, from even this generation and the generations to come to stand up and say, truly, He is one God. I wonder, is that what's happening today? Is that what's happening in the church today that, that individuals who are not yet of us, who are not yet of the faith, 
are standing back in amazement and saying, what an awesome God they serve. I want to be on that team. Sign me up because I want to be there alone. They are winners. Probably not. Because many times we don't have a more than we think attitude. We instead get shot down because of the the events that happen in our life. And we wonder, God, when are you going to bring us out of this despicable place, this barren desert, this drive? When are things going to turn around and change? You've heard of this guy. His name is Gideon. You can find the account of him in in, uh, Judges chapter (laughs) 6. Not Gideon chapter 6, Judges chapter 6. And you could turn your Bible. I'm not going to have the passages on there. It was just uh, too much to read. And I think you, you can just kind of go along with me if you want to. But Gideon is that kind of guy who did not know that he was more than he <laughs> thought. Amen. He looked at things from his perspective way down here. He had a hard time, he'd have a hard time doing what the Apostle Paul is talking about, thinking that that he was raised up for such a time that that he was going to give this message to the rulers and authorities. (laughs) That that this message of Jesus Christ, the Savior, has come to set people free. He couldn't see the very opportunities that was before him. All he could feel was the adversity. We find out that the judge Deborah had died in this particular time in Judges chapter 5. We find out that the Israelites had once again done wrong in the sight of the Lord. And because they continued to do wrong, they had to deal with the consequences. Not only were the Canaanites uh, had had come and, and, and persecuted them and come against them, but now a new group of people called the Midianites who were known for their, their brand of, uh, of uh, abusive, cruel behavior. They were ruthless. They, 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 they came and they stole away from the Israelites everything. Many of the Israelites were hiding in the, in the rocks and in caves. In this particular occasion, in, in Judges chapter 6, we find that, that Gideon is, is hiding in a, in, a, in a wine press and he's threshing the wheat People scared for their lives. They cried out to the Lord again and again, Oh God, this time it will be different. This time somehow, Lord, we will worship you. We will, we will follow after you. It doesn't matter what the rest of the people do. We will come after you. And they began to cry out to him. And as God is a faithful and merciful God, he hears them. Not that he has to, but that he wants to. Did you hear me? You can make mistake after mistake. And the enemy can convince you that there's just no way, no reason that you should ever have any access to God. But God is coming after you. God longs for you to recognize your weakness so that you can be brought into right relationship. And we need to understand some things. God can use anybody and anything to accomplish His purposes, right? We see that He's used foreign armies, we see that he's, he's used a donkey. He's used unwilling people. 
You're going to find all types of people throughout both the Bible and in current time that God has used. And we looked at them and said, wow, if God can use them, he can use anything or anybody. God uses the weak and the small things of the world to accomplish his purpose. God uses people who are lowly. In Judges chapter 6, we find the occasion, and I'm not going to read all of it with you, but we find the occasion, as I said before, that Gideon was there. And he was in the wine press, and he was threshing the wheat, and he was trying to keep it away from the Midianites, for they had stolen so much from them. And the angel of the Lord came and appeared to Gideon, and he said this, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And he's thinking, and in that be same, in verse number 13, but Sir Gideon replied, If the Lord is with us, now he said, you're the mighty warrior, but he, Gideon automatically went to, with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our fathers told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us into the hand of the Midian without taking any responsibility for their own actions. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? But Lord Gideon asked, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites together. You might be thinking right now, what in the world does this have to do with this particular season and time in which we're in? In the time of us seeking and coming after the Lord through whatever type of fast that it is that you're doing, through whatever type of denial it is that you're applying within your life, at different times you probably are going to feel a little weak. But I want to tell you what, you can do more than what you think you can do. Because the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. You can do more than what you think you can do because it's not your strength, it's His strength. You could do more than what you think that you can do, even faced with adversity. If you are at a luncheon and there are cakes that are being cut there before you and you have to distribute them and serve them to other people. As happened to some people for us yesterday. And, 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 and Jessica, hi Jessica. And, 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 and you... And you realize, you know, sometimes people say, you know, in, in, in time of fasting, they, 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 they look at the things that are desirable to them, and they say, get that away from me, I can't have that. And we're, there's a little tongue-in-cheek with that, there's a little jesting. But isn't it awesome when you can look at something that you desire, and you can say, you don't own me? Now, not everybody agrees. Some of you are like, no, get that away from me. I'm telling you, my flesh is weak. I cannot resist that. Get that out of here. Because if it stays here, I'm going to give in. I'm going to crash. And, and there may be certain seasons in your life and time in which that's the truth. But guess what? God wants to make you into a mighty warrior. He wants you to make you into someone who says, you know what, it doesn't matter what the enemy throws at me, I understand that God, the things of God, the blessings of God, the promises of God are more desirable than anything that the enemy has to offer. And it isn't until we have that realization that we can get a disgust for the things that many times cruds up our lives. 
But we have to understand our lowly spot at first. There's an old story that describes a scene shortly after Christ's return to heaven. It's a fictitious story. And it was a time after his, both his burial and his resurrection. And the angel Gabriel came up to Jesus and said, Lord, you suffer terribly from men down there. But you can imagine this conversation take place. And Jesus says, I did. He says, and Gabriel says, do they know all about how you love them and what you did for them? Oh no, said Jesus, not yet. Right now, only a few people in Israel know. Gabriel was puzzled. He says, then what have you, uh, then what have you done to let everyone know that you love them? Jesus said, well, I've asked these guys, Peter, James, and John, and a few of their friends to tell others about me. Those who are told will in turn tell others, and my story will spread to the farthest corners of the earth. Ultimately, all mankind will have heard about my life and my love and what I have done. Gabriel appeared a bit skeptical. He knew how little mankind could be depended upon. He said, yes, but what if Peter, James, and John grow weary? What if the people who have come after them forget or simply don't follow through? Haven't you any other plans? And Jesus says, I have no other plans. I'm counting on them. This morning at the beginning of 2017, we're one week into this year, and we have to ask ourselves, do we already have plans to be the people that Jesus is counting on, to be his mouthpiece, to be his servants, and to go into all the world? Or are we just trying to get through the next year? Are we thinking about so many of these worldly events and things that bring us the joy and the pleasures in life that we forget that, you know what, we're actually people, we're ambassadors on assignment. We're on loan right now to earth, all right, because our heavenly dwelling, our citizenship is not here on earth, but it's in heaven. And it's so hard to think that way. As Pastor Doug talked and shared Roger Hallgren's celebration of life service yesterday he spoke of roger's life and and we spoke also of of bev and how much of an encouragement that bev is to us here today because it isn't that bev doesn't miss roger but if you talk with bev today she has an eternal perspective and she knows that roger's experiencing no pain no limitations no sorrows and if asked to come back here he'd say why But not only does Roger get to experience that, but Bev has experienced that and is living that out here and now. Thank you, Bev. Thank you, Sue. Robinson, thank you, Ann. Thank you, other individuals who have lost their spouses and and still carry on. God sent this little known, seldom seen and fairly Uh, this businessman by the name of Gideon to awaken all of Israel. Someone who seemed insignificant. Will you really put the trust in this man? He doesn't have any leadership skills. He doesn't have any ability. He don't even believe in himself. He says, even Gideon says, are you kidding me? You must be mistaken. Don't you know that I'm the youngest of my family and my clan is the weakest in Manasseh? 
what you're asking me to do is impossible. But God had other things in store. He had other things in mind. He was going to make a noise in the land. And he was going to use a lowly person in order to accomplish that. Gideon was so convinced of his inability and inferiority and his insufficiency that he basically came up with all kinds of reasons about why he couldn't do what it was and he let it go right over his head, just like Watson, the very thing that was right there in front of him. And that was that the angel of the Lord had come to speak to him. I wonder in the midst of our adversities when we're feeling so much of the pain and we're moaning and groaning so much about it. By the way, moaning and groaning doesn't make the pain go away. That's my new saying for this year, all right? <laughs> I kind of caught on that last, last towards the tail end of the year, but I'm going to just keep on saying that. The moaning and the groaning doesn't make the pain go away. And it's interesting because it's an involuntary action. How many of you know what I'm saying? But here's the part about it that I like, is that it's a voluntary action on my part not to let it happen. And I think I'll be stronger as a result of it. I think you'd be stronger as you think about the moaning and groaning that tries to come out of you. Say, uh-uh, I'm not going there. I'm not going to do that. You see, God is a contrarian. You say, what's a contrarian? A contrarian is a person who opposes or rejects popular opinion. He's a opposing or rejecting popular opinion. He, it's, he will, he's a kind of God who goes against the current practice. It happened all throughout history. In the picking of David, for instance, as a king. He says, you know, he, it's, uh, we, we find that Samuel came and was going to pick out the king and, and he looked upon all of the best candidates. And only when it came to the lowly shepherd. Oh, there is the one. Did God put his seal of approval? I don't know about you, but sometimes I don't give God enough room to operate in my life and to do the things that he wants to do. I start to think of things differently. I do in, in the opposite of, of really what 1 Corinthians one twenty six and 29 says, which says, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you are wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before Him. He delights using the weak and not the strong the few and not the many the small and not the important the lowly and not the proud he delights in taking those things that are noble all right and looking at those things as small he specializes in weak flesh inept hands and timid hearts he'll take a stuttering man and call him out and say, you are the one that I'm going to use to deliver my people. Another type of people that God uses is this. God uses people who are loyal. Gideon was that way. You find here in the text that, and many times when we talk about Gideon, we talk about how his 300 went up against the 
the, the, the thousands and thousands of, of individuals and how they overcome. I'm not going to zero in on it today, but I'm going to zero in instead upon the preparation process because that's what Gideon demonstrated in this particular time. Gideon demonstrated that how important it is to be loyal. Warren Wearsby, the former pastor of the Moody Church in Chicago and the author of a multi-volume uh, called B series, he, uh, he said this, he says, um, there was a particular people who, he had a radio broadcast, and from time to time people would write him and they would say certain things, and he had these people who were helping him, you know, do the ministry. And so correspondence would come in, and someone would write on there. I, he says, I support your ministry, but I do not like this. And if you don't change it, I'm going to stop my support. To which Warren Wearsby encouraged and instructed his people to write this. We are not for sale. We are not for sale. Well, from time to time, he would receive an encouraging note. An encouraging note says, I'm really glad that you're doing what you're doing. I'm really glad that you are, uh, are continuing to speak the things that you're speaking. And because of that, I'm going to continue my support. And Wearsby gave instructions for the same reply to those particular people, which is, we are not for sale. We are not for sale. You see, it doesn't matter if I preach a good word. Amen? <laughs> You see, you need to be faithful unto the Lord no matter what. It, it doesn't matter if I, if I preach what you want me to preach or share what you want me to share. You see, I'm, I'm responsible unto God. Isn't it awesome for you to be able to stand up in front of people and say, you know what, I will not be influenced by your opinion of me, but I'm answerable to Him and Him alone. Now, you, don't, you can become arrogant when you do that also. I'm not saying that's the way we should be. But you know what? There is a place and a way in which you need to make a difference. You see, it's been said there is a difference between interest and commitment. There's some people who, who say that they want to learn to play the piano. I'd give anything to learn how to play the piano. I'd give anything to learn how to play guitar or an instrument of anything, whatever like that. And, and you say, I'd give anything. Well, sure, you're interested in it, but do you have the commitment to follow through is a whole other thing. When you're interested in doing something, you do it only when circumstances permit it. When you're committed to do something, you accept no excuses, only results. I wonder what the church of Jesus Christ is like today. Are we interested in doing what he has intended for us to do or are we committed to doing what he's told us to do? Because I believe that God's calling us and rising us up for such a time as this. Gideon understood how important it was to go and do what God told him to do. And God, in the, in the, in the text there, you could see it in, in uh, Judges 6, 25-32, you could see where he was told to go cut down the, the idols, to bring them down. And, and there was a stir, there was a commotion, because it, it looks like, and even in the text, if you read it, many people have thought this for a long time, that, that Gideon was afraid of what would happen to him if he tore down those idols. But if you look into it, he, because he, was, he, he knew that he would be found out, he didn't do it in such a manner way to hide who it was who did it, but he was afraid that his father's household would try to stop him from doing it. And some people think that he did it at night so that he, he, because he was scared and wouldn't be found out, but that's not the case. 
It just turned out that he wanted to be able to get done what God wanted to do. And he did whatever was necessary to make it happen. How many of you have that attitude when it comes towards doing or being the representative of God? I'm going to do whatever it takes to get it done. I've got to remove all the obstacles. I've got to remove all those things. And for us in this particular time, maybe, maybe, it's a, maybe it's a food, maybe it's a recreational activity, maybe it's a particular delight that you have, but something could be stopping you from hearing the voice of God. And you say, you know what? I've got to remove the distractions. I've got to get rid of them so that God can speak to me, so I can hear what He's saying. I love it that at the end of it, and if you could read the text, you would see here that there comes a point where they understand, they discover who it is who, who tore down these idols. And the, the resolution is, of the people who were there, let Baal contend with him. They didn't even... They didn't even rise up and come against him because the hand of God was upon him. Because God had bigger plans. There's so many times that we're afraid to step out in faith and go where God wants us to go because we're afraid of what people will say or people will think, all right? But we shouldn't be afraid of those things. We should be afraid of not getting done what God's called us to do. If that became the motivation, if that became the drive, if we became more committed and less interested... I think the church of Jesus Christ would be accomplishing some big things. Gideon was given this thankless but necessary job. This, this preface to going out and getting to lead the people was to first of all tear down all the false gods. Tear them down. I don't know about you, but I'm constantly wanting to learn. And God uses people who are learners. I, I tell you that because yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm a, like to soak things up like a sponge when, when people are sharing information about, uh, about how things to come, to come together. I listen and pictures are created within my mind about how to make things happen. And it, it's part of a gift, but it's, it's also a desire of mine. I want to constantly learn because I know that when I constantly learn, there might be some information I can share with somebody else that will make their life better. It's not just for me. It's for others and God uses people who are learners and in our in Judges chapter 6 verse 33 and 35 you see what happens here you see that that the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the eastern people joined forces across the Jordan and, and they came against him but the spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon and he blew a trumpet and guess what the people started coming out He learned, he, he, he says, you know what, I, I, I believe this is before the, before the crashing of the, of the things that took place, before there was a yelling in the land, before any of that, that, that takes place, before, before Gideon took over, all right, there was this move of God that happened because he was a learner. God has more power than you can think or that you can use. He is able to do immeasurably more than what you ask or imagine. More than you think. Leonard Ravenhill, he told a group of tourists who were visiting a picturesque village one time. And he was, he was there and, and one person turned to an elderly man who was sitting there and he asked him, he says, were there any great men born in this village? To which Leonard, or to which the man replied, Nope, only babies. 
You don't become a great man until you become a great learner. You don't become a great woman until you become a great learner. You, you see, here's what Gideon's questions were. Along with all the rest of Israel at that time. Where is God? Where are the fireworks? What happened to the good old days? The old time religion? How about the way in which things really were? You know, when, when God was really moving. Where is this glorious past, this happy present, this, this promising future? Some of these questions we still have today. Some of these things we're still asking ourselves. Where, when, how? Don't you know that the Bible says that in the last days because of the increase of wickedness that more and more people are going to fall away? What does it mean for the body of Christ? We should be more intentional. We should be more determined. We should be more committed. Gideon was a small fry. He was a no-name. He was a small soldier who had been transformed into a mighty warrior. And I'm looking at a bunch of people today who I believe has the same potential in the year of 2017 to rise up and to say, you know what? These things don't own me. This world don't own me. God owns me. And I'm not just interested in being part of his, 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 his uh, army. I'm willing to be a leader. I'm willing to be a mighty warrior. I'm willing to rise up in this hour and say, God, do whatever you need to do with me. I will stand against a force of darkness it doesn't matter how, how how little they they think that i am i'm just going to do what you call me to do because i'm not leaning on my own strength i'm trusting in an almighty god i'm trusting for him that when i when i shout out my voice in the underneath the anointing of an almighty god that there will be uh, uh, this this very piercing of the darkness that will happen and, and the truth will settle down within individuals and they'll get it and they'll say ah oh, that makes sense the joy that they see, the peace that they see. I want to praise you and come if you would, please. The fact of the matter is, you can work harder than you think you can. But if you think you can't, you probably won't even try. I said the title of this message is more than you think. But there had to be a shift and a turning in Gideon. The learning process that had to happen for him was this. That he had to start to think differently than what he once thought about himself. So at certain points in your life, you could do more than you think. But you need to understand that you probably won't start accomplishing things until you start to think differently. Kind of two opposing thoughts, two opposing views, but ever so important. You can learn faster than you think, but if you think you can't, you probably won't even try. You can keep giving longer than you think you can, but if you think you can't, you probably won't even try. You can dream bigger than you think, but if you think you can't, you probably won't try. You can live more boldly than you think you can, but if you think you can't, you probably won't even try. Gideon had to learn to think differently. I wonder what thoughts need to be changed and renewed within the body of Christ today. 
I wonder how it is that we're going to come up and be able to dig a little bit more deeper because we think that we can dig deeper. How we can fight through the fatigue a little bit longer because we think that we can do it. How we don't look at the obstacles and look at the challenges and say, this is too much, Lord. I'm not going to be able to make it. But instead, we lift up our hands to heaven and say, God, I can make it. I'm going through. And by the very life that we live, we send a message to the kingdom of darkness whom our struggle is against anyway. We have overcome you. You don't own us. The flesh is weak, but the spirit is willing. Who in this house will be led by the spirit and not by the flesh? You are more than you think. How about that thought process being changed by the Spirit of God today. How about you rising up and saying, today, in this year, is a new season in my life. It's a new time in which I'm going to accomplish things that I never thought I could do before. I never thought I could stand up to somebody. I never thought I could you know, venture over the, 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 the line in our relationship with, with some friends that I have that don't know Jesus and, and, and I could dare then ask them or, or get into a spiritual or a faith type of conversation with them. Too many times we're thinking that the world is just going to ask us questions and we just need to ask them questions. We need to become, ask them questions. We need to become involved in their lives and show the true love and concern that God has for them. Aren't you tired of the way in which you're living? Aren't you tired with the frustrations? Aren't you tired with the disappointments? Too many people won't even take risk. They find themselves they find themselves caught up in pity parties. I love here what said by John Wesley, give me 100 men who fear nothing but sin and desire nothing but God and I will shake the world. We don't need a lot. We just need a few. Edward, Everett Hale says, I'm the only one, but I am still one. I cannot do everything, but still I can do something. Because I cannot do everything, I will not refuse something I can do. A difficult verse for all of us to understand here is in John chapter 14, verse 12. It says this. It says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Oh, really? Greater things? I'm not prepared to do greater things. I'm small time, you might say. Yeah? Well, here is what he says to you in return. He says this in Philippians 1.6, He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He says, I've got a work for you to do. And you're looking at, at all of your missteps. You're looking at how, where you come from. And, 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 and you're identifying too much with this world. You need to identify with me. I took Gideon and I used him. I took David and used him. I took Mark, uh, 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 all the disciples, and I used them. I, I used a loudmouth Peter. I used Moses. 
I use a weeping prophet called Jeremiah who didn't see a, a single convert for years upon years. He wasn't just interested in doing what God wanted to do. He was committed to it. Where are you at today? Why don't you bow your heads with me, if you would, please. Heavenly Father, we come here today. And Father, I, I would venture to say that we're pretty much hometown here today. We have a number of us that are just, we're mostly of us, of Central. And we have before us an opportunity as far as a church to move forward and to accomplish things that are more than what we ever thought we could do. But God, we need your abilities. We need your supernatural impartation into our lives. We ask for you, God, to help us to see, to help us to know what you can do through us as we commit to be with you. Lord, we recognize that you work through lowly people. Lord, you work through loyal people. And you work through learners. And I want to be those things. Help me, God. Help me, God, to be those things today. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm looking. I venture to say, as I said before, I think a number of us here today are are of us. Most of us, by all means, are are here of Central. And so I'm speaking to you here at Central, especially regular tenders. And and you're recognizing that, that, you know what? We've only got a limited amount of time. We can't wait for somebody else to start doing something. We've got to be the doers. And you'd say, you know what? I realize I need to put my hand to the plow. I need to quit turning back. I need to quit being distracted. There are detours and distractions in my life that I want to go away. I want my commitment level to go to the next level. If that's you here in this place today, would you lift up your hand today? In 2017, I want my commitment level to go to the next level. I want to be able to put the pedal to the metal. I want to be able to be used in a manner and way that, that, that just like Jesus, this is the man who appeared upon the face of the earth and had an impact. He said, greater things will I be able to do. Well, well, how can I do that if I only look at things from an earthly perspective? Keep your hands up. Yes. Father, right now, right now in Jesus' name, you see the hands that are raised in this place. We ask you, God, to do something that we cannot do in our own strength. We ask you, God, to cut past all of the, 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 the reasonings of this world, the faulty thinking that stops us from becoming a powerhouse for you. Lord, we can look at the things that the world has to offer and says, you don't own me. We come after you, Lord. We come after you, Lord, right now in Jesus' name hands are lifted up in this place father right now in jesus name i'm going to ask you to do one more thing i want you to stand to your feet right now if you're raising your hand right now stand to your feet you're raising your hand stand to your feet right now right now you want to go to the next level you want god for the distractions and the detours and those things to disappear you want to be able to make more of an impact for the kingdom this year in 2017 god right now we respond to you we respond to you we respond to you respond to you. They're going to begin to play this song and, and I want you to step out of your, your seats or I want you to just make your way down this altar just in a group thing. It, we, we're, we got enough time, alright? Please take, take enough time and, and to seal this up with just one another, alright? And the, the words of this song, I love it because it's what can I say? What can I do? But offer this whole life of mine completely to you.
I hope that you'll do that here today. Amen. Let's begin playing that song. Go ahead and step out. If you want to stand, you want to join us, everyone that's here with us, or you others want to come to the altar, I didn't make it specific for you. Go ahead and come on. Come on down. Let's let's just say this, Lord. Let's have this prayer together. What can I do?